I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. This morning we'll be looking at, we'll start with verses 1 through 13 of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible of your own, you can grab one of the Pew Bibles there, and it's page 519 in the Pew Bible. Page 519 in the Pew Bible. And if you happen not to own a Bible of your own, then uh, please take that Pew Bible with you. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word, so that's our gift to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. This is kind of our kickoff this morning as we begin our study on heaven and hell. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 13. If you found your place there, please stand with me as we read God's holy word. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. For everything there is a series, a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain has has the worker from his toil? For I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better than for, than for them uh, to be joyful and to be good as long as they live, also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we begin today and just think about the doctrine of of heaven, the doctrine of the hereafter, Lord, I just pray that you would bless our hearts. Lord, let us us even now begin to, to get a glimpse of that eternal home that you have prepared for us. Lord, let that be our aim and our goal for all that we do in life. Lord, help us today to begin to live for eternity. We pray now that you'd bless the reading of your holy, inspired, and errant word. And Lord, today, write its eternal truth on all our hearts. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as we begin here in Ecclesiastes, and we are beginning a a new study today. Today is just an introductory into this new study, a study of heaven and hell. 
and just looking at the hereafter, what's to come after this life. So as we began to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we understand that there is a time and season for everything in life. This is an understanding that we all have. There is a time, as Ecclesiastes says, there's a time to plant and a time to harvest. There's a time to, to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and there's a time to dance. And of course, there is always a time to live and a time to die. You know, death comes for all of us. It's coming for every single one of us. All of us have that day written in God's book. He knows the day. We don't know the day, but everybody has that day, that expiration date. Death is coming. But, you know, here's the interesting thing for us. As human beings, we all have this inherent sense that there is something beyond this life. We have this inherent sense that this life is not the end of it all. There's something beyond this life. Now, our dogs and cats, they don't have that feeling. They don't have that sense, but we have that sense. There's, we have that sense that there's something more. There's something beyond this life. And we see from our text today, the reason that we have that inherent sense is because God has written eternity on our hearts. Every human being has this sense of something beyond this life because God has written upon all our hearts a sense of eternity. History indeed tells us this. History tells us this. Australian Aborigines, they believed that heaven was a, a distant island beyond the western horizon. Native Americans thought their, their spirits would spend eternity hunting the spirits of the buffalo in that great plain up in the sky. Ancient Mexicans, Peruvians, and Polynesians believed that they either went to, to the sun or the moon when they died. That's where they spent eternity. And the ancient Romans and the ancient Greeks, they envisioned the righteous enjoying an, an eternal picnic in the Elysian fields with their horses grazing nearby while the wicked were destined for eternity in Hades. Throughout history, every civilization has always had a sense that this life is not the end. God has written eternity upon our hearts. We have this inherent sense that there is eternity still awaiting us beyond this life is given us a curiosity if you will about that afterlife the life that is to come and you know the beautiful thing is that God has not left us in the dark he has told us a little bit about what is to come he has given us some insights on heaven and upon even hell he has told us in his word a little bit about what to expect not everything we don't have the complete picture but we have a small picture and so as we begin to study this series on heaven and hell I want us to focus in on eternity and my goal for this whole series not just today but for the whole series 
is that I might encourage you to live for eternity. Live for eternity. That's what we're to do anyway. So as we begin to look toward heaven, and that's where we begin first, we're going to first cover heaven, and then at the end of this, we're going to come back and, and hit hell, but we're going to first start with heaven. And so we want to envision our heavenly home and learn all that we can learn about it, all that God's Word has to tell us about it. That's, that's our aim. We want to learn everything that God has told us about heaven so that we might live for eternity every day. During this life, I want you to invest in eternity. Don't waste your life. Don't waste the life that God has given you. Use every moment possible to invest in your eternal home. So today is just an introduction. We're not going to get a, a whole lot into the specifics, but I, I just want to kind of let you know what we're going to be talking about, where we're going, and, and why. So really today, that's, that's the two kind of questions that we're asking. Why are we studying about the afterlife? Why are we studying about heaven and hell? And two, what we're going to study as we get into this study. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. And I just warn you, I know a lot of y'all, y'all, y'all are used to my normal way of preaching. And my normal way of preaching is let's go to this verse here and let's open up and line by line, verse by verse. This is a doctrinal series. And so a doctrinal series often has to go from here to there because the whole doctrine is not covered in one complete verse. And so I'm going to be going from one text to another text to another text as we go through this series. And so just fair warning, get your pen out. You might want to write some of these verses down along as we, we go for, for you to reference back later. And so that's kind of the, the gist of this new series. So let's begin with why. Why a series on the afterlife? Why a series on the afterlife? Well, first of all, because we want to know. As I've already said, God has written eternity on our hearts. He has given us this sense that there's something beyond this life, that death is not the end. There's something awaiting us on the other side, and we want to know what is awaiting us on the other side. We want to know. God has put that in our heart to know, and so we need to pursue that desire. We need to pursue that, that curiosity in God's Word. As we read there in, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon notes that God has written eternity upon our hearts. But notice what he goes on to say there. Let me find it there. God has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Now, we remember here that Solomon, we, we need to remember his place in history. He says God has written eternity on our heart yet so that we can't find out. We can't find out the beginning from the end, what God has done in the beginning from the end. But Solomon is writing from a, a perspective early on in history. Early on in God's revelation. In fact, when we look back to the Old Testament, there's, there's a few little sheds of light there about heaven and eternity, but not a lot. Right? We, we get a sense that there, there is an afterlife. We get a sense that there's uh, a resurrection even. We, we get this sense, but, but there's not a lot of discussion about heaven and hell in the Old Testament. But when we get to the New Testament, 
Christ has inaugurated his eternal kingdom. We're already, as Christians, we're already starting. We already have one step over there, right? We've we got one step in as we become a believer in Jesus Christ, as, we begin, or as we're born again, we become new creatures. And so now God has revealed so much more as we get into the New Testament. We see more of a picture of what heaven and eternity looks like. And so even though in the Old Testament, Solomon, he, he didn't have much to go off of, now we've got more revelation and God has given us a greater picture of heaven. And so we need to investigate Scripture and see what God has to tell us. Once you get over to, for example, once you get to Revelation chapter 20 through 22, those three chapters at the end of the Bible, uh, well, they re reveal a whole lot about eternity. And so we're going to be looking at those verses a lot as we go through this series so we want to know that's why we we do a series like this a doctrinal series like this because we want to know about eternity second we do a study like this because we are commanded to prioritize heaven we are commanded to prioritize heaven matthew chapter 6 verses 19 through 21 jesus tells us do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says, look to heaven. Focus on heaven. Invest in heaven. Colossians 3, chapter, one through, or chap, chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Paul tells the church of Colossae, if then you have been raised with Christ, if you're Christian, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. You see, oftentimes we get so caught up in the here and now. We get caught up in, in what's going on this week. What's going on today? Right? So sometimes we get so focused in on the day. Well, what's going on today? And, and we might think about next week. We might think about a month from now. But we're really focused on the here and now. But Jesus says, hey, don't overly invest in this world. This world is passing away. This world's not going to last forever. Focus on eternity. Focus on heaven. Invest in heaven. We are called to prioritize our heavenly home we're called to prioritize investing in eternity and focusing a little bit less on the here and now we're called to, we're commanded to prioritize heaven we need to invest in eternity so we need to study about eternity so we know what we're investing in now, I've read a lot of leadership books. You can imagine as a pastor, I've read a bunch of books on leadership. And, and I, I know there's one book in particular that talks about having a vision for the future. And, and you have to kind of paint this mental picture of where you want the, the, the church to go. And, and so you have this picture of, of the future church. And then everything that you do from here on out is to get you to realize that picture, to make that picture a reality. You know, that's really in fact what Jesus is telling us to do here. He calls us to envision eternity. 
Think about eternity. Think about that eternal home and everything that you do in life. Make sure it's aimed toward your reward in heaven. We need to prioritize eternity. We need to prioritize our eternal home. So we do a series like this because we want to know. We're commanded to prioritize heaven, prioritize eternity. And third, we do a study like this to help us persevere in our faith. We do a study like this to help us persevere in our faith, to help us continue to walk with the Lord and live every day for the Lord. Now here you can turn in your Bibles. I won't call you to turn to every verse that I I, uh, turn to, but uh, turn to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. This is familiar to, to many of you. Hebrews chapter 11 gives us, what is it? It's the hall of fame of the faith, right? The faith hall of fame. And here we have a list of all of these faith hall of famers here in Hebrews chapter 11. And notice how it starts. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old receive their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. We didn't see it. But God's Word says that's where it happened. So we believe that God created all of the universe with His very Word so that what is seen has not made out, for what has, is seen was not made out of things that are visible. It was made out of, from God who was spirit. So it is, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things seen. That's what faith is. And then throughout chapter 11 there, he, he, uh, the, the author here gives us a layout of, of all of these great people of the faith, all of these faith hall of famers. He begins with Abel, then he moves to Enoch, then he goes to Noah and his faith, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, And then he moves to the people of Israel as they step foot in the Red Sea and God parts the Red Sea so that they go go across the Red Sea on dry ground. And then in verse 32 he says, What more shall I say? For time would fail me. I don't have enough time to cover them all, right? Time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, And the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign enemies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, 
mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect. So see, all of these faith hall of famers, man, they, they faced many trials and tribulations in life. They were, many of them, in prison. Many of them stoned to death. Some of them sawn in two. I mean, these hall of faith hall of famers, they, they suffered many sufferings in life, and yet they held strong in their faith. Why? Well, this middle section here, verses 13 through 16, gives us the reason why they persevered in their faith. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of a land from which they had gone, gone out, well, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. They persevered through all of the trials and tribulations of life. They persevered in their faith because they weren't focused on their persecutions. They weren't focused on their trials and tribulations. They weren't focused on all of those things. They were focused on their heavenly home. They were focused on what God had promised them. Eternity in his glorious kingdom. Dear friend, if you want to persevere in your faith, you need a vision of heaven. You need a vision of eternity. That needs to be what you strive for day in and day out as you seek to live for Christ envision the eternal home that he has prepared for you so we need a series like this because we want to know about eternity because we're commanded to prioritize heaven and it helps us to persevere in the faith i have an illustration here in his book heaven randy alcorn tells the story of florence chadwick in 1952 Young Florence Chadwick stepped into the waters of the Pacific Ocean off Catalina Island, determined to swim the shores of mainland, to, uh, to the shores of mainland California. She'd already been the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. The weather was foggy and chilly. She could hardly see the, boat, uh, the boats accompanying her. Still, she swam for 15 hours. When she begged to be taken in out of the water along the way, her mother, in a boat alongside her, told her she was close and that she, should, that she could make it. Finally, physically exhausted, physically and emotionally exhausted, she stopped swimming and was pulled out of the water. It wasn't until she was in the boat that she discovered the shore was less than 
a half mile away. In a news conference, the next day she said, I could have, all I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. Dear friend, look for the shore. Look up. Christ has removed the fog. He has given us a vision of eternity. Look up and look to the shores of heaven. A study like this helps us persevere in the faith. Fourth, a study on the afterlife helps us to persevere in evangelism. It should help us persevere in evangelism, shouldn't it? When we think about heaven, and especially when we think about hell, that should make, cause us to want to go out and tell people about Jesus. It should make us want to go out and tell people about Jesus. Evangelism suffers when Christians fail to contemplate eternity. Think about this. Think about the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. You know the story, the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man lived in his fancy big estate, and Lazarus was a poor man who lived at his gates. And the rich man, he feasted every day in his house, and there Lazarus was right there outside the gates of his home, starving. The rich man never showed him mercy. Oh, the dogs showed him mercy because the dogs, even the dogs would come by and lick Lazarus' wounds, but the rich man had no mercy on poor Lazarus. But then the two died. And the rich man went to hell. He went to judgment. And Lazarus went into the bosom of Abraham. He went to heaven. And the parable, as Jesus tells it, the, the rich man, he, he looks across a chasm. There's a chasm there, and he looks across the chasm, and he, he sees Lazarus there in the bosom of Abraham. And he cries out, Abraham, Father Abraham, Father Abraham. Can you just allow Lazarus to come over here and dip his finger in water and, and put it in my mouth just to, to, just to soothe my mouth just a little bit? Could you just... Do that for me. And, and, and Father Abraham said, no, we can't do that. There's a chasm fixed so that we can't come to you and you can't come to us. And, and then he goes on and he says, well, well, Father Abraham, then do this for me. Then I beg you, Father, to send him, send Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brothers so that he may warn them lest they also come into this place of torment. Now Jesus goes on and say, or Jesus goes on to tell the story that Father Abraham said, "Well, even if a dead man rises, they they wouldn't believe." And and there's a whole other point to that story. But but you see here the rich man. Now that he's suffering in heaven, oh please send somebody to tell my brothers. Please send somebody to tell my family that this is a miserable place. This is nowhere for them to want to come. This is a horrible, horrible existence. Please send somebody to tell them. I think in America, especially American Christians, Christians in the West, I think we've lost a vision of hell. I think we've lost a vision of hell. 
You know, as conservative Christians, we say we, we believe in hell, but, but we live as if we don't. We pass by people day after day after day who are dying and going to hell, and we say nothing to them. If we really believe in hell, then we would be shouting it out from the streets, Escape judgment! Hell is coming! Turn to Jesus. Oh, we need a vision, not just of heaven, but we need a vision of hell. We need a vision of the suffering and the torment that is coming for all of those who reject Jesus Christ so that we might persevere, perhaps even start in our evangelism. Dear friend, let this encourage you. Let this drive you to sound the warning. Judgment is coming. Turn to Jesus. Studying the afterlife should help us persevere in our evangelism. So we study the afterlife. We study heaven and hell because we want to know. We're commanded to prioritize eternity because hopefully this will help us persevere in our faith and persevere in our evangelism. And number five, here's the, the final reason I want to just cover that why we should study this is number five here. There are few biblical studies on heaven. There are few biblical studies out there on eternity, on heaven and hell. It's at least reliable, biblical, and, and I emphasize biblical studies. Right? There are a few biblical studies. Now, there are a lot of non-biblical studies out there. There's a lot of non-biblical resources out there. And just let me warn you. Let me just warn you. I'm not going to look down on you if you've read any of these. I'm, I'm not going to, hey, uh, that's fine. But I just want to warn you, there are a lot of bad resources out there, and here are just three. There are many, 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 many more, but here's three. Heaven is for real by Todd Burpo. 90 Minutes in Heaven by Don Piper. Not John Piper, Don Piper. Don't get them confused. John Piper's good. Don Piper, not so much. 23 Minutes in Hell by Bill Weiss. All of these, and there, like I say, there's many others out there, but all of these profess to have had an afterlife experience, right? All of these profess to have died, gone to either heaven or to hell, and, and experienced something, and, and then came back and they wrote it down. Why are these bad resources? Because here's number one. When you begin to read a lot of these books, a lot of these resources, and you begin to compare these resources, what they say they experienced and what they say they saw in heaven or hell, what you find often is they contradict Scripture. Now, people get real excited about this. Oh, you went to heaven? Tell me all about it, because we want to know. But you see, you've you got to look closely you got to watch, what are they saying, and does it match Scripture? 
Because if it, match, if it doesn't match Scripture, then what they're telling you is a lie. I, I'm not doubting that maybe they experienced something. Maybe they had a dream about these things, and, and they're recording those dreams. I, I don't know these people. I don't know their hearts. But most generally, typically, in all of these resources that proclaim people who proclaim to have gone to heaven and seen these visions of heaven, what they report Many, in many cases, contradicts what Scripture actually says. So be careful of those resources. Be careful of those reports. Also, hear the warning of Scripture. Scripture warns, Revelation chapter 22, verse 18, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. God's warning. This is God speaking. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If anyone adds to God's word, God says, I will add to that person the plagues described in this book. That's a serious warning. And what are all these books doing? They're claiming to give new revelation. I've seen a vision of heaven. God gave me a vision of heaven. He took me to heaven, and I saw this vision of heaven. They're claiming to have a new revelation. What all of these books are doing are doing exactly what old John Smith did with the Book of, Revela- uh, book of Mormon. You see, John Smith said he had a vision of the Lord too from the, when the angel Mirai came and, and gave him a new revelation. What they're doing is the same thing. They're just Christianizing it and selling it in Christian bookstores so that Christians will buy it and Christians are buying books like that by the millions because they want their curiosity stoked, right, about heaven but they don't want to get it from God's Word. It's too hard to dig it out of Scripture, so let's just get this book. Hear the warning. Hear the warning. If anyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. Paul even says, Paul tells us of his own heavenly experience in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 through 4, he says, I know a man. Now he's talking about himself. But he says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body. I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told which man may not utter. In other words, Paul says, yeah, I saw some things. God opened my eyes. He he took me up to heaven, in the body, out of the body, whatever. But he took me to heaven, and I saw some things, but he didn't. He said, I can't write those things down. I can't report those things. Those things are sealed. Even John the Revelator in Revelation chapter 10 verse 4 John was given a little more liberty to to write about more of his vision but even in John even in Revelation chapter 10 verse 4 John is told he's given a vision and then he's told to seal up 
a portion of what God had re revealed to him. See, there's this sense that God, he's given us what he wants us to know. What he wants us to know about heaven, it, it's right here. We don't need heaven is for real. God's word tells us heaven is for real. We don't need 90 minutes in heaven. We don't need 23 minutes in hell because God's word tells us all that we need to know about eternity. We just got to dig it out. We just need to dig it out. And so I want to help us, I want us to dig it out as we go through this study. Now, there are some good biblical resources on heaven and when we get to hell I'll give you some good resources on hell too but uh, just focusing on heaven right now uh, I've quoted from one while ago Randy Alcorn's book heaven that's the title heaven Randy Alcorn uh, his book on heaven is a good book because it goes by God's word it's gonna he, he does even in more detail of what I will probably do in this series he goes through God's word and and he begins to dig out and and Discover heaven. It kind of gives us a vision of eternity in that book. Another book that's a little smaller, uh, again, entitled Heaven, but this one is by W.A. Criswell and Paige Patterson. It's a little older book, but it's still a, a good resource. So there are some out there that are good, but just make sure if you buy a book on heaven or on hell that it's not a, a report on, hey, what I experienced. It's Actually, hey, here's what God's Word tells us about heaven and hell. So we need a, a study like this because there are very few biblical resources, biblical studies on heaven and even more so hell. So what, we, what will we learn? Three W's there. What will we learn? All right. What will we learn in this study? And so let's look at that real quick like, First of all, we're going to look at the present heaven, right? Because there's a couple of different dimensions that we can think about when it, when it comes to heaven. We, we need to think about, first of all, present heaven. In theological terms, if we're in a systematic theolog theology class, uh, we would be talking about the intermediate state, right? It, it's where, what heaven is right now. When we lose a loved one and we talk about them going to be out of the bodies to be with the Lord. Where are they when they were with the Lord? What is heaven like right now? So what about the present heaven? What and where is the present heaven? What happens after death? How do we get there? What will we do in present heaven? Right? What will we do when we get to heaven to be with the Lord right now? We won't have bodies. Our spirit will be there, but our body won't be there. So what will we do in the present heaven? Second, we're going to learn about eternal heaven. Y'all saw that coming, right? We're, we're going to learn about eternal heaven. Again, in theological terms, the eternal state. Our eternal state. Where will eternal heaven be? What will eternal heaven be like? What will, be, what will we be like in eternal heaven? And what will we do? Will we just float around on clouds, playing harps for eternity? You know, what will we do? By the way, no, that's not what we do. But we're going to look at, at what we will do in eternal heaven. And then we're going to talk about rewards because Scripture tells us about eternal rewards. And so we're going to uh, talk a little bit about eternal rewards in eternal heaven. 
And then uh, we're going to shift to hell, and we're going to talk about present hell again. What and where? What and where is present hell right now? Who is in present hell? And what is present hell like? What is hell like right now for those who are living in it or have entered it? Uh, And number four, we're going to talk about eternal hell. We're going to talk about eternal hell. We're going to talk about final judgment. The final judgment that is to come. We're going to talk about uh, where, where this eternal hell will be. What will its inhabitants experience? Is there literal fire and worms and all of these things? What, what, what will they experience in eternal hell? So we're going to learn those four things, and we're going to stretch it out over a period of time. And uh, hopefully we can get a, a good vision of heaven as God has painted it for us in his word. And we need a good vision of hell too so that we know what we're signing the warning about to the lost who are around us. So tonight, today, I, I just call you as we begin just to, to scratch the surface here a little bit this morning. I call you to set your hearts on the things above. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is. Set your things on eternity. Live for eternity. Live for eternity. And of course, that begins by trusting in Jesus Christ. By putting your faith and your hope in Jesus. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6 Jesus tells us, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are are many rooms, if it were not so, but I've told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going and perhaps there's some today even here who ask the very question that the apostle Thomas asked Jesus when Jesus says these words Thomas said to him Lord we do not know where you are going how can we know the way and Jesus said to him I am the way the truth and the life No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to heaven. He is the only way to get there. You can never get there by doing enough good and doing too much evil will not keep you out. The only way to heaven is by trusting in Jesus Christ, surrendering your life to Him. Will you turn to him today? Will you trust in him? Live for eternity and start that life by looking to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you have revealed our eternal home, at least little clips of it. You give us a a few glimpses of eternity in your word. And so, Lord, we're so thankful. 
Lord, let us be eager as we begin this study. Let us be eager to, to learn more. Let us be eager to, to dig in and, and research and construct for ourselves a vision of glory from what you have revealed to us in your word. So that that vision of glory might inspire us, encourage us, and even strengthen us as we face the trials and tribulations, the persecutions, the sicknesses, all of the worries of this world as they bombard us and weigh us down, Lord. May this vision of our eternal home in heaven drive us to live every day for you and for your glory. And Lord, if there's any today who've never trusted Jesus, oh Lord, impress upon their hearts the importance of seeking heaven. Press upon their hearts the miseries in hell. And Lord, let them look to Christ the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to enter into your eternal kingdom. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.